0: We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you, uh, if you have your Bibles, and I would definitely encourage you, if you have a paper Bible, bring one. Um, I, there's just something about paper. I don't know what it is. I know digital's good. I'm thankful for digital, but um, get, you, get you a good paper one. If you don't have one, we've got them. If you need one, we can help you find a good one, but Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I'm going to read in the New Living Translation, by the way, if you want to know what translation I'll be in for the majority of today. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we're going to look in verse 7 th- through 12, and it says, it says this. It says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. Now, let me just pause here for a quick moment and just uh, introduce you to the writer of this, a name by, uh, guy by the name of King Solomon. Solomon was, uh, next to Jesus, the wisest man that ever walked the planet, <laughs> It's incredibly wise that there was a moment when God said, "Hey, you just ask anything. What do you want to ask for?" And He didn't ask for riches. He asked for wisdom. He said, "God, make me wise." And and truth is, is, is I'm going to just go ahead and let you know this: if you're wise, money follows. Yep. You can be, you can have money and not be wise. And y'all know people like that. Yep. Don't look at them. But uh, you can. <laughs> But if you're wise, money can follow. This guy had everything. He had all the, all the money in the world. He had all the women in the world, way more than he needed. Um, he had all of the, the, the castle and the, the place. He had, it, he had it all. He had it all. And so we get this book, uh, Ecclesiastes, a lot in Proverbs, Song of Solomon, all those are written by this man. And, and he says, listen, I've observed a lot of stuff in life. I've experienced the high, high, high of life. I've experienced the low, low, low. I've, I've got it all. Everything that someone said that they would need in life to be happy, I've had it. And so he gives us this verse and says, hey, I've, 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 I want to show you an example of something that's meaningless that's under the sun. Verse 8 says, this is the case of a man who is, everybody help me with this, is what? He's all alone, okay? Uh, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. So he's a worker, he's working, but he's got no family, he's got no people in his life. But then he asks himself, and here's the question, who am I working for? And why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is also, tell me these two words, it is also mean. meaningless and depressing. and depressing. How many of you know when you're working all the time and you can't be with your family, those two words mean a lot? It's meaningless, man, this just seems so meaningless, it seems so incredibly depressing. And then he switches gears and he says, okay, I've seen this guy who's super alone. He says, two people are, everybody say it. Come on, say it again. Better. They're better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls is is in real trouble. And he says this in verse 11, likewise, Two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can One. be warm? One. All right, y'all are good, y'all are good, y'all are good. A person standing One. can be attacked and defeated, but Two. can stand back to back and conquer, Three. or even Better. for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. All right, so this is where we're going today. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much for, uh, for just the fact that we have the privilege to gather the opportunity to gather. Um, Lord, uh, where your people gather, your spirit is here. And so, Holy Spirit, come, speak, breathe through your word today that is living and active. God, help it uh, to make us who you called us to be. Lord, we want to be a church that uh, walks out everything that you call us to, Lord. And Lord, so we, we love you. Lord, we give you this day. And thank you for the Tigers winning yesterday. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, somebody. All right. I, um, I think we can all agree that two is better than one. I think we know that. Two is better than one. But can we also agree that two can be harder than one? Yes. Two, two can be harder. It, it, who's married? How many you know, before you got married, you were pretty awesome. Come on, let's just be honest. You were awesome. You were amazing. Uh, that's how I felt. I was like, "Man, I'm I'm living my best life. This is amazing. I, I I am amazing." And then I got married, and then I found out that two is not always better than one because two has two different opinions, two different perspectives, two different thoughts, two different ideas, two ways of what clean means. Two ways of how a dishwasher is supposed to be loaded. (laughs) Come on, anybody with me? When I was by myself, I loaded it great. I felt like I loaded it great. Then I found out I don't load it great. I load it terrible, it's just terrible. I found out there's two ways to drive. I don't know if you knew this. Two different ways, two totally different ways on how you drive. I thought, yet again, I thought I was an amazing driver. Come to find out, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Okay. Two two different ways to make decisions. Huh? Two different ideas, two different opinions. I mean you you just think about it. Two different ways to watch TV. I don't know about y'all. I'm like I'm like I'm this guy. Lindsay's like, I'm getting nauseous here. I'm getting nauseous. <laughs> I can see. Any guy in here? I can see. I know, real quick. I'll be on it, I'll watch five minutes into it, and I'm like, eh, no, I'm not good. She's in it, she's all in it. Okay, two different ways. Two is better than one, but if we're honest, two can be harder than one. Have y'all ever said this? I'll just do it myself. Y'all ever said that? Come on, don't lie. How many of you have ever said that? Okay, I'll just do it it myself. Hey, babe, can you help with the dishes? Yeah, I'll I'll do it, I'll do it. 30 seconds later, she's doing it. What? What in the world's going on? I'll just do it myself. I was gonna do it but two different (laughs) timetables. Come on, y'all with me? Any Husbands, can you? Any husband in here? (sniffs) I'll do this myself. I said y'all was gonna do it. No, I meant like right now. Okay, all right. Why are two better, though? Two are better because God designed us for community. God designed us. To be with people. And King Solomon, according to the verse that we just read, um, he is telling us that your spiritual life, your emotional life, and your physical life is directly impacted by the people you have in your life. This is what he's telling us. He's saying, two are better than one. Now, I have to start today's message with this because I know you know where I'm going because I'm I'm really trying to get us to understand biblical community. I'm trying to get us connected more together. We have been so isolated and so alone. I'm trying to get us all back in. I'm trying to get you in a life group. I'm going to put my cards out there right now. I am doing everything I can to get you into a group because um, two is better than one, and three is even better than two. And so four is even better, and five, and six. But But let me just start here, because I know some of you in here, immediately as I start saying that, there's a couple things that happen. First off, there's some of you that have been bruised, beaten, and betrayed by people. And so you immediately have bought into this lie that I'm actually better by myself. Because if I'm by myself, then I don't have to go through any of that experience. And so you buy into this thing of, you know what, all I need is Jesus. Jesus and me and coffee, we're good, all right? (laughs) Come on, somebody, let's be honest. That's just how it is. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've, I've done the people thing. Uh, I've, I've got the T-shirt. I've been hurt by it. I've been betrayed by it. I've been all those kind of things. And uh, all those is rightfully so. Those things have happened. Those things have happened to me. I understand what it is to walk with people. But in order to walk with people, you've got to be okay with the fact that people are going to, to sleep on you, like we talked about last week. It's going to happen. Um, and so for those in here that are like, you know what, I just need God, me and God, and I'll come on Sundays, pastor, and I'll come listen, and, and I'll, I'll be a part here and there, but that's I'm good, I'm good. I just want you to know that's not even biblical. From the very beginning of scriptures, let's go Genesis 2, the Lord God said, after he made everything, all creation, everything that was there, the, the Lord God said, it is not good. Everybody say not good. Not good. It's not good for the man to be. There's our word that has been coming up all throughout Ecclesiastes. I will make a helper who is just right for him. This is the first time in the Bible that God says something is not good. Everything else was good and great. And he gets to this point and he goes, that's not good though. We've gotta gotta fix this. Now here's the truth though. Adam wasn't alone. There was animals there. And even beyond animals, God was there. And yet, God says, I know I'm here, and I know, you know, you and the apes get along a lot, but uh, it's not good that you're alone. Like, you need need a helper. You need some help. I tell that to all of our married couples all the time when I'm doing premarital. I say, the Bible says to the husband, you need help. And so God designs people that can come alongside and help us. And so think about this. This is a huge part here that we've got to understand. If being in relationships was so vital in a perfect world, how much more is relationships vital in an imperfect one? When it was perfect, there was no sin. It was naked and good. And God said, this is not good. We need, you need to get some people. So we is better than me. And this is from the very beginning of, of, of Genesis. We see this. We is better than me. We is better than me. We get to Ecclesiastes and it says we is better than me. So I wanna go back to Ecclesiastes and I want us to look through it. We're gonna, we're gonna just kind of unpack these uh, five or six verses and see what God has to say to us When the wisest man on the planet who has everything, who's seen everything, who's experienced everything, says in verse seven, this is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or brother, yet he works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for and why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all meaningless and it's all depressing. And I want you to hear me very closely when I say this. Isolation is the strategy of the enemy to get you to not fulfill all God's called you to do. Yeah, right. okay. Isolation. And, and, and if you notice here, the way that he was isolated was not because he was bad, but because he was busy. He was working. Nothing wrong with working by any regards. I hope all of us in here are incredible workers. We'll, we'll dive more into this in just a minute, but I just want you to see the strategy of the enemy is to disconnect you from community, disconnect you from people, disconnect you, and he will use whatever means he possibly can to do that. You say, well, Pastor Josh, why is we better than me? I feel like I'm pretty good. Well, so did I. But we is better than me for really four reasons, and I'm gonna give you the four, and we see them as we go through Ecclesiastes 4. He gives us four main reasons why we is better than me. And Ecclesiastes 4.9 tells us this. Number one is this. Here's the first reason why it is. Productivity. I'm gonna give you four words. Productivity. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. They can help each other succeed. I don't know if you realize this, but God will put people in your life that will help you win. Watch this. And the enemy will put people in your life to help you lose. I mean, i have look back over the, over the track history of your life, and you look back and go, those were God people, and those were not God people. Those were people God put, and those were people the enemy put. And, the, and God will put people in your world, in your life, that will try to help you win. There's no such things as neutral relationships. And what I mean by that is every relationship in your and my life is either pushing or pulling. It's either calling us up or it's holding us down. There's no such thing as neutral relationships. And so when God wants you to win, God wants you to succeed. That is God's desire. From the very beginning, when he created Adam, he wanted Adam to succeed. He said, this isn't good that you're alone. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create somebody who's going to help you. And so the, the term that I like to use is a purpose partner. That God will put people in your life that will be like purpose partners. Think about this, when Moses had a call from God to go deliver the children of Israel. He got met with his own insecurities and he got met with his own actual deficiencies. He had a stuttering issue. And so what does God do? God sends him Aaron. Aaron and says, I have a call of God on your life and you're not gonna be able to do this on your own so I'm going to send Aaron and he's gonna come alongside with you. When they were fighting a battle and Moses is up on the mountain and, 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 and Joshua and his guys are fighting and he's so weak and he's so, he's so done that the Bible says that God sends Aaron and her to come alongside and to lift his arms up so that they can continue to keep winning. When David is going through a hard season in his life and he's out in the shepherd field, God sends Samuel to come and anoint him and say, you have a call of God on your life. And then when he goes and he gets that call and he's working alongside Saul and then Saul doesn't like it and Saul's in a place of hatred towards him because of his comparison because he hates what he sees on David's life. David is on his run for his life and who does God send into David's life? A guy named Jonathan. And then when he does get elevated to become king, he he falls into sexual immorality. And who does God send into his life again? A guy by the name of Nathan. Because God is always after us succeeding in life, and when there's times where we're not succeeding, he'll put people into our life that we can see that can come alongside and help us. When Jesus wanted to change the world, God sent 12 disciples. Everywhere in Scripture where you see God's going to do something through somebody, he would always send some people alongside them to help. Nehemiah wanted to rebuild the wall, but he couldn't do it by himself. So God sent people, purpose partners, that could come with him and help him rebuild a wall. Everywhere you see in Scripture. There is no lone ranger in Scripture that did it all by themselves. They were always attached to someone or some people that came alongside and helped them succeed. Together is God's greatest desire. But watch this. Together is the enemy's greatest threat. Together is God's greatest desire. But isolated is what the enemy wants. The enemy does not want us together. So this this really, over the past couple of years, God's been really stirring on my heart For unity, not only in our church, but unity in the church. And all while I was on sabbatical last year, I was praying through this, praying through this, praying through this. And then as we went through the hurricane season and God started uniting some things there. And then over this last probably six months, I've been really asking the Lord God, help us to unite Help us to unite. I've been in Jennings 22 years, and I've never seen any churches in this region really united for the purpose and the glory of the Lord. And I'm beyond excited to tell you that we are in a season right now where God is uniting churches. Look, I'll show you a picture. This is a picture. Look, this is a God picture. This is a God picture. Let me tell you, we there's there's about 15 or so, maybe. 10 to 15 churches right now that have committed to saying, we're not in competition with one another. We're gonna come together. We're gonna work together. We're gonna resource together. We're gonna encourage together. We're gonna help together. We're gonna love together. This is, this is what God's called us to do. I'm telling you, this is what God's called us to do. So I'm gonna just tell you right now, all these guys are becoming my best friends. And if you leave the church and go to their church and you talk about me, they got my back. And if you leave their church and you come to my church and you talk about them, I've got their back, because we ain't doing this. We are one church, one people, one church, united together to lift up Christ. Hey, everybody, we is better than me. And we saw this during the hurricane, because what God did through our churches in the hurricane, our Savior's church could have never done alone, ever, ever. And what we saw even over this past summer of moving the school and, and, and then all the stuff that we have going on, today I'll be, I'll be in the Catholic church this afternoon at 2.30 for a 9-11 prayer service with about seven or eight other pastors praying over all the first responders of our city. What is God doing? God is, is saying, hey, guys, we's better than me. We's better than me. We don't elevate our church or our thing. We, we elevate Jesus. And when Jesus is lifted up, he draws people to himself. He draws people to himself. So, y'all continue to pray for that, by the way. Y'all continue to pray of what God wants to do because how many know the enemy hates that? Yeah. And right now, there are so many incredible things that we're dreaming about and praying about, about how we can impact this community and things that we can start doing together. I mean, it's incredible. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy is going to see any crack that he can come in to bring division. Now, we is better than me because of productivity, and that is because God always sends people in our life that that helps us be who we are. And I I want you to see this because in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul writes a letter to the the church in Rome and at the very end of the book, he's signing off. The end of chapter 15. I'm gonna show you the verse. The end of of chapter 15 in, in Romans 15, verse 33, he says this, now may God who gives us his peace be with you all, amen. And how many know when you do like, amen, like that's the end, like y'all know, like I'm done with this service. Cause at the very end I pray and I go, amen. And like, you're dismissed. You're dismissed. But Rome, Rome, uh, Romans doesn't end in 15. It actually ends in 16. It's almost like he's like a pastor that says, Whoa, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. I got one more thing. I forgot. Sorry. I forgot. Y'all remember Pastor but Give me five minutes. Give me five more minutes. Give me five more. Who got, who got it, who got it, who got it? Okay, that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul's doing right now. Because at the end of 15, he's done, we're finished. And it's like he's wrapping it up and he's like, oh, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. And so at the end of 16, I want to show you something. At the end of 16, verse 27, he says, all glory to the Lord, only wise God, through Jesus Christ forever, forever, amen. Okay, now I'm really done. Now the question is, what did he do in all of 16. Now, if you go and you read Romans chapter 16, it's 24 verses, or 27 actually, but in 24 of those verses, he mentions 33 people that helped him do what he did. Literally, if you go through the whole book, it's like Ithacus and Platypus and, you know, <laughs> Eunicus and all these, How I many you know, it's just crazy names like that, you know. Tell Paul, you know, tell, tell them all, all right? What he's saying is, 33 names over the course of 24 verses, and he's making this statement I could not have done this without these people. I could not have done this without these people. John Wooten, who is one of the most decorated national collegiate basketball coaches in all of the US, he's won 10 national championships in 12 years. He had a rule, and here was the rule to all of his guys. He said, if, if, if you ever make a bucket, shoot a three, you make it, you drain it, you do something, you are to never point the attention to you. If you ever point the attention to you, beat your chest or whatever, he said, I'll take you out of the game. Yeah. He said, the only thing you're allowed to do is that as soon as you make a bucket, you have to point to every guy that helped you make that point. What is he teaching his guys? You couldn't do what you do without them. We is better than me. Everybody say that. We is better than me. And if the apostle Paul knew that he needed people to win, yet again, how much more for us? And I I think about this as a church. This this church is, is all about other people in this church that are lifting the load, that are carrying the carrying the weight of what we do as a church. There's so much of what happens, not only just on a Sunday to make Sunday happen, but all throughout the week in our prayer teams and in our life groups and in our outreaches and in so many different ways that are doing our staff and what they do behind the scenes I mean, so much of what you see on a Sunday, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are doing things, doing the ministry together because this church is not built on me or on Lindsay or any pastor or any person. It has been built on the sacrifices of all of us doing our part together to make this church what it is. And can we just stop for just a moment and say thank you to all of our dream team, all of our life group leaders, all of our staff, all of our elders, incredible. Incredible. There's gonna be almost 40 life groups that are about to kick off today. And that was 40 plus, probably close to 80 because they all have different co-leaders of people who have said, I'll step up and make it not just about me on a Sunday, I'll go and invest in people. Yeah. Because you know what? It's not just about me succeeding, it's about me helping everybody else succeed as well. And the sign of maturity is is that it's not just about you, it's about helping others. How many know if Jesus is taking you somewhere, you can help take someone else somewhere too? Yeah. It's what God's called us to do. The most immature Christians are ones that come and say, it's only about me. Jesus says, that's not the way, that's not the way. The way of Jesus is is that as, as I help you, you help others. So productivity, that's the first thing. Two are better than one. Second word, stability, stability. Look at verse 10, he says, if anyone, any one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls, what? Alone, what is it? They're what? They're in some real trouble. 1989, there was a very epic commercial that went viral when viral wasn't even a thing. But in 1989, there was a commercial that came out by a company called Life Alert. Does anybody remember Life Alert? How many are old enough to remember Life Alerts? What was the motto of Life Alerts? That's exactly right. And everyone that was born after 2000 is like, I don't know what y'all talking about. (laughs) I've fallen and I can't get up. What it was, was it was designed specifically, mostly for senior citizens Who are in a vulnerable place where, if they fall or something happens, that they've got this beeper, (laughs) paging system that's around their neck or on them that they can push a button and it alerts, you know, um, ambulance and and police and all that, all that stuff. And so, how many know that there's going to always be a place in our life and a time in our life where we've fallen? And there's going to be times in our life where we've fallen and we feel like we can't get up. And 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 this this was a like a security system to say, "Hey, if you're living by yourself or if people aren't around you, that you've you've always got a lifeline." That's how they sold it. You've got a lifeline that someone will always be there to come and reach out and help you back up or bring you to the hospital or whatever that may be. And I don't know if that hits for any of you, but I think all of us at some point in our life probably have taken a fall. We've taken a fall, whether it was a fall in our finances, whether it was a fall in our family, whether it was a fall in our marriage, and maybe even it was a fall in our faith. I mean, you've just had some moments where you've, just, you've, taken, some, you've taken some steps when it's come even to the area of your faith, and you and I are going to go through some seasons in our life, watch this, where it's going to require outside support. Where you can't get yourself back up. You're going to go through it. If you haven't gone through it yet, just live a little longer. You're going to go through a season. You're going to go through something in your life that it's going to knock you down, and you're going to say, I've fallen, and I can't get back up. And the Bible knows this, and Jesus knows this, and God knows this. And this is why he's telling us, you know who's in real trouble? The one who falls, and they're all alone. But the one who falls and is not alone, it's all right, because a righteous man falls seven times, but he can get back up again. You know why? Because he's surrounded around people who can get him back up, because yep. the righteous know, I can't do this by myself. Are y'all with me? Watch what Proverbs says. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves, I'm grateful for the love. I need the love, but how many of you know, I don't just need love. I need a brother sometimes. I need a sister sometimes. I need someone who has been born for adversity. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said it this way: "In prosperity, our friends know us, but in adversity, we know our friends. If we be a little bit honest in here, how many of you would say that there has been a season where you've wanted to quit? Anybody? quit your family, quit your marriage, quit school, quit your dream, maybe quit your faith. And here's what I've learned, and this is one of the things that I know I learned in high school sports. I was incredibly grateful for high school sports, um, and in high school sports, our coach would always train us and always, uh, you know, have us do workouts and all that stuff, but we could never do workouts alone, ever. And the reason why he would never let us do workouts alone, whether it was bench presses or squats or whatever it was, was because when you're with somebody, there's two things that are always going to happen. One, if you're with somebody, um, you'll never quit. You'll want to quit, but there will always be someone that will always be there to not let you quit. And then the second thing is you always do more, go further, go faster when you're with somebody else than when you're by yourself. Let's, is that not be honest? I mean, is that, and let's not be honest. Let's be honest. Let's, let's be honest to this. Cause if, if you're, if you're out working out, I, this is how it was. I'm gonna just tell you how I was, okay? I can only tell you how I was. If we were out doing running, like I was in cross country, and when we would run, when I was running where the coach could see me, I was all in. But as soon as I got around that building or around those, those bushes where the coach couldn't see me anymore, come on, how I many you know you, you're like, I mean, I just dropped it way down. I'm like, oh, I'm just going. But as soon as someone would come back around, I'd be like. <laughs> Why? Because there's just something about this push that when adversity and when the hardships come, that when people get around us, they, they, can, they can push us forward. They can, they can keep moving us on. They can, they can pick us back up. They can say, hey, get up. Let's go. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. I'm going to tell you this. You only quit alone. You only quit alone. That's why the enemy's job in marriage is to get a a husband and a wife so separated, so isolated, that if I'm isolated enough, I'll quit. This is what he does in families. This is what he does in businesses. This is what he does in churches. He isolates people to the point where they feel like they're all alone and then they quit. They quit the faith, they quit their marriage, they quit their job, they quit, they just quit. And as long as I just get, I tell Lindsay all the time, we just can't quit on the same day. When I wanna quit, you can't quit. And when you wanna quit, I can't quit. And if we both wanna quit the same day, we gotta get around somebody else who doesn't want us to quit. Because <laughs> we've gotta be committed to building, to encouraging, and in life, you're gonna get knocked down. But I wanna I want encourage every person in here who's walked in this room right now and you feel like you have been knocked down, I just want you to hear me, you may be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. You may be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. And it may be knocked down because of your decisions or because of somebody else's decisions or because of something in life that you didn't see coming and you may have gotten knocked down, but yet again, the righteous gets up again because they get around people who says, I can't do this by myself, let me help you up. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you, this is so vital in our life. This is so vital in my life. And what ends up happening is, is we wait to start establishing the relationships after we've been knocked down instead of establishing these relationships before the knockdown happened. Because what ends up happening is, is we don't have relationships in our life. We're not connected. We're not, we're not around people who wanna help and encourage and pick us up. And then when life knocks us down, then we wanna go, oh, I need people. I need people, I need people. And then we get surprised why nobody's there. But it's because I've isolated myself, I've I've stepped away from the place that it has helped. Notice it says in this, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. You know what that means? That person's close enough to see that you got knocked down. And if people aren't close enough to see that you've gotten knocked down, then don't be surprised that they don't help. We've got to be around. This is so why it's so huge. This is why, as as Dana said, the, the encouragement of Hebrews is to not neglect the gathering of one another. Why do I need to be with one another? Because there's kind of come a moment where I get knocked down. And I want to make sure that I'm surrounded around enough people that can say, hey, let me let me help you up. I've fallen and I can't get up. We gotta get around it. Gotta get around it. Number three. So we've got productivity, we've got stability. Let me give you the third one. We've got intimacy. Intimacy. Look at verse 11 says, like two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm? What's our word? Alone. 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 This is speaking of warmth, but it's also speaking of just being super close to someone. Intimacy. And so I want to share with you what I think are two major intimacy killers. What kills our intimacy with God? What kills our intimacy with people? What is that? There's, two, there's really two main things, there's many, but I'm gonna give you two really big ones. First one is this, mismanaged priorities. Mismanaged priorities. What can kill intimacy in any marriage, any family, any church, relationship with the Lord, is not that you're bad, it's that you're busy. You're just too busy. You're, and, and, and what ends up happening is you 're too busy with things that don 't matter that you can 't give your time to the things that do matter and and listen, everything can be good, but not everything is great and and if If I want to have intimacy in my relationship with God, how many know i 've got to spend time with God if I want to have intimacy with my relationship with my wife i 've got to spend time with my wife. And what ends up happening is, is we go from, this happens in relationships with God and it goes to happening in relationships with your marriage. If you've ever noticed that there's a time where you've grown cold, because that's really what's happening here. He's saying, if you want to keep warm, if you want to keep on fire, if you want to keep passionate for this, you've got to stay close. You've got to stay close. The further you get away, the colder you get. So if our marriage has gotten cold, if our relationship with God has gotten cold, man, I used to be on fire for God at one point. What happened? Newsflash, he didn't move. Guess who did? We did. And usually not because, it's not because it's bad. It's usually because we're busy. I get it all the time. I go to Walmart all the time, and I see so many people. Like, man, where you been? Word? What do you think they say? man, I've just been busy. Me too. Me too. I'm busy too. But the church is not not a luxury. It's a necessity. Like I need people in my life desperately, desperately bad. Notice when people's life goes south, what they start prioritizing back again. They get back into it. Why? Because you realize real quickly that when I disconnect, I can get cold. I can get so, so busy. I, I love to use the analogy because I love, I'm a barbecue guy. And come on, anybody love barbecue? I love eating barbecue? I love the actual like the art of barbecuing. Like it's an art to me. Like I've I've got to like do the coals. I've got to like I don't do the gas side. I'm thankful for the gas, but but I'm like a coal guy. Like I'm I'm that type of guy. Put them all together. You know. Uh, I'm getting the little starter stuff that's happening, and you know, just watching it. I like to get my blower and blow it. And like it's like fire. I mean, it's just like a man thing for me. Okay, I just. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And so you wait and you watch that fire. You know, you got to wait and watch those coals get, get, get really hot. And I, I use like lump coal. I don't use charcoal. I use like this lump coal because my barbecue pit requires of it. And it gets all white and it's all hot. And you know, I'm measuring, you know, the temperature and all this stuff. So if you take any of those coals, and I go and I would try to take it with tongs in the middle of the heat. And I go and I set it outside. Of the other charcoals, just give it a couple minutes and I can grab that thing with my hand. But as long as it stays in with all the other ones, it naturally stays on fire, not just because it's on fire, but because it's surrounded by fire. Are y'all with me? So watch how this plays out. Watch how this plays out in your walk with the Lord. If you were to think about the time you were probably most on fire with the Lord, it probably was a season when you were around people most on fire for the Lord. And then if you notice that I'm not as much in my relationship with God like I used to be, it could possibly be that I have taken myself out of the coals and I've put myself off to the side because of mismanaged priorities. And I will never apologize for challenging every one of us to make Sunday's priorities, to make life group's priorities. Well, I'm busy. So am I. But my life is too fragile, and my life means too much, and my marriage means too much, and the things that matter mean too much for me not to make this a priority. Are y'all with me? Okay. So, So mismanaged priorities. Let me give you number two. What can make our heart grow cold? relationships grow cold is unresolved conflict unresolved conflict so mismanaged priorities is really I'm just too busy unresolved conflict watch this is I'm too angry I'm too hurt I'm too offended and how do you know those are all strategies of the enemy to make you too busy too hurt, too angry, too offended. And so what you do is you disconnect from the place or from the people that you need to be in. Okay, really, let me me give you a, a four example here. All right, every married person in here, married people, when you and your spouse have an argument right before bed and you get into bed, let me ask you, is it snuggle time? It's like the Grand Canyon just came up into my bedroom. You know what I'm talking about? And don't you dare put your foot over on the side, like get that foot off of me. Like you better not touch me, you better not touch me. Why, because there's, there's, there's unresolved conflict and so therefore unresolved conflict has driven a wedge and now you, you're in two different parts of the bed, same bed. Some of y'all, unresolved conflict, you're not even in the bed anymore. You somewhere else, but I just let Lindsey know, my house, my bed, all right? So, (laughs) you can go to the couch, I'm going. Now, I might be on a sliver of the bed, but I'm still, I'm on my bed, okay? I'm in it. Now, Lindsey and I really have committed to, we're not perfect by any regards, but we have committed to not letting ourselves go to bed without us resolving things. Um, And really, it's because uh, that stuff compounds with interest. It's like when you don't pay your debt. It's it's not that it just stays there, it compounds with interest. So, when you don't deal with offenses and you don't deal with hurts, listen, time doesn't heal wounds. (laughs) No, it does not. If anything, time grows wounds and makes those wounds even deeper and greater. And so understanding unresolved conflict, these issues that try to separate you, it is so important for you to settle them. You know, we talk a lot about spiritual family. We'll say that word all the time. Man, welcome home. Welcome to the family. And family is amazing. And family is awesome. And I'm so grateful for spiritual family. I'm so grateful for what God is doing in this house. But I just want you to hear me. Spiritual family is messy. How many know to have a good family, you've got to fight for it? You've got to fight for it, and the enemy will do everything he can to divide it, to attack it, to separate it, to isolate it. He'll do it in your family. He'll do it in my family. He tries. He'll do it in this church. And I love what Tim Keller said. Pastor Tim Keller said it this way. He said, people are messy. Therefore, relationships will be messy. Expect messiness. (laughs) Welcome to our Savior's Church. Glad you're here. You mean, Pastor Josh, like, I'm going to get offended? Yeah, if you haven't yet, just stick around. Like, it's going to happen. Like, you're going to get dropped. People are going to sleep on you. It's not because they, they, they're mean. It's not because it happens. It's because they're human. And so, I, I, man, I just challenge our church constantly. Listen, if you ever have issues with any person, you go to them. Don't talk about them. Go to them. Yeah. Deal with it. Because, yet again, if you don't deal with it, It will make your heart grow cold. And then one day you'll look up and you go, where did I go? What has happened? The intimacy that I once had with Jesus, the intimacy that I once had with people, the intimacy that I once had. And you go, you know what? I've allowed busyness and mismanaged priorities or I've allowed unresolved offenses and hurts and wounds to disconnect me from the place I need to be. And this is so huge. Talk it out. Number four, last one. So we've got productivity, we've got stability, we've got intimacy, and last one is we've got security. Security. A person standing alone. look what, look what Ecclesiastes says. It says it this way: A person standing alone can be what's those two words right there? Three words, actually. Attacked and defeated. A person standing alone can be attacked. And defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are what? They're even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This is huge. This is huge here. He's saying, listen, alone you can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. How many of you in here or watching online, have felt under attack. Anybody have felt under attack as of lately? Maybe in just different capacities, in different ways. Maybe as the people, maybe as the enemy. And the enemy will always look for ways to isolate. This is what he does. He tries to isolate because, yet again, it says, not only will you be attacked, you can be defeated when you're alone. Now, watch this. When there's two people, you're still going to be attacked. And when there's three people you're still going to be attacked. But notice, it's only the one who's alone that's defeated. Not the one with two, not the one with three, but the one who's alone is the one who is defeated. It reminds me of what Ephesians 6 says when the Apostle Paul writes, and this is our last verse, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we, what does this say? For we do not wrestle. We do not wrestle. We don't wrestle. You know why that says that? Because God's never called us to be wrestlers, He's called us to be soldiers. We're not wrestlers wrestlers wrestle one-on-one. So let's see, uh, Pastor Dustin, come up here real quick. How many of you think that I can take on Pastor Dustin? Let's see. Four of y'all, what the heck? Okay, so. Oh, we doing this, huh? No, I'm joking. Okay, so the Bible says, I'd take that any day. <laughs> All right, we do not wrestle, and so during the Greco-Roman time, it was literally it was one on one. You wrestling against one another, and 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 don't let this man—he's—he's he's strong. This is a strong <laughs> dude, and so we could we could definitely wrestle it out. Eventually, somebody's gonna win. I'll win, but eventually there's. Just, Let's go. I'm, Let's okay. Go. <laughs> so, so this is. But he says we do not. I didn't ask for your ass. Okay, no. Sorry. So, this is this is how most people deal with the enemy. Let's go. Let's do this. I got this. Got my belt of truth. I got, he says no, no. Paul says no. We don't. We don't wrestle though. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood and principal. He's he's telling us that there's a spiritual battle that we actually take. But but he's also showing us how we actually fight our battles and we don't fight our battles like this. He says, no, 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 for if it's one, I could be attacked and defeated. But if there's two, Pastor Stephen, come here. If there's two, come on now, we just, we just, up. no, 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 you're on my side. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is the devil. Okay. So, all right. So if there's two, that's a whole nother thing. And then he said, but if there's Three Brandon come up here. Brandon come up here. Alright, so if we got if we got three now, a three. Three is even a more more okay. So now how many think we got this? I mean still only three, y'all? Okay, so <laughs> but I want you to see how this would play out, okay? So the way that, that soldiers would fight is that soldiers didn't fight just the combat like this. The soldiers fought in a combat of putting their shields together. And actually, they would put their shields together because it says, go back to the verse before it if you don't mind, the Ecclesiastes one, says, okay, you can be attacked and defeated, but two can, can stand, what is this? Okay, so come here, Pastor Steve. So they can stand, they can stand back, back to back, but then we've got another one over here and it says three are even better, three are even better than one. All right, so guess what? Now, let's do this, all right? Because not only is this just him, I mean, you oh, know, there's attacks coming. Bible says there's attacks coming from all different places, and I, I don't know about y'all. I need someone to see my blind side. By the way, you got blindsides, right? You've got blindsides. I've got blindsides, and we we need it. And so we put our we put our armors together, put our shields together. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand. That doesn't even seem right. It should be two 2,000, right? But when we come together, there is a security that says, I get 10 times stronger when I'm with other people than when I'm by myself. (laughs) Amen? All right, love you guys. Thank you, devil. But watch this. I want you to see this. I just want you to see this. We're done. We're done. This is why the enemy would love to isolate me from my help because the moment he isolates me from my help, watch this, the moment he isolates any of us from help, we lose productivity, we lose stability, we lose intimacy, and ultimately we lose security because now we are alone. So I'm gonna put it this way as we end today, and that is that life-giving relationships are not a luxury, they're a necessity. The secret of Our Savior's Church is not incredible preaching and amazing worship and, you know, none of that. I'll tell you what the secret of Our Savior's Church is. The secret of Our Savior's Church is we're going to be connected together. We're going to do this together. We're going to worship together. We're going to fight together. We're going to lose together. We're going to win together. We're going to encourage together. We're going to walk together. If you don't like together, you won't like Our Savior's Church because we are committed to doing this together because it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. I need it, you need it, we need it. Only weak people think they're strong enough to do it alone. This is why life groups have been created. This is why we've got over 40 different life groups, whether you're in high school or junior high, you can get connected. Whether you're a young adult, you can get connected with your man or a woman or married or you wanna go through freedom or you want whatever, there's so many different options, but there's places for you to get connected and to get known because the areas you're unknown in is the areas you're unprotected in. And I don't know about you, but I know I am where I am today. Because of the life-giving relationships that I've had to fight for. I've had to fight with. It's been a struggle. There's been pain. There's been offenses. There's been hurt. All of that. All of that. But it's worth it. It's worth it. My marriage, it's worth it. My family, it's worth it. For my sons, it's worth it. And you know what? For my heart, it's worth it. It's worth it, it's worth it. Father, we love you. God, we thank you today that we are reminded yet again that we is better than me. So much of our society is all about the individual. It's all about isolation. It's all about me and my wants and my desires, but the Bible says that when we come and we surrender our life to you, that our life is no longer our own that our life is committed to you and our we first begins as a surrendered life to you Jesus you the god you now call us to not just walk with you but to walk with others your word says for us to love god with all of our heart mind soul and strength but then you also then encourage us to love one another to love one another So today, God, I pray for every person that is in this room and that is watching online right now that feels so alone. They may be in a crowd of people, but yet they feel so alone. God, that today and over the course of the next couple of weeks that you would divinely connect them to life-giving relationships. Relationships that can help them. Relationships that can pick them up. Relationships that can encourage them in their journey with Jesus. Relationships that can challenge them. Relationships that can call the best out of them. Lord, we need that. We want that. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, help us to not walk in pride. I don't need people. I don't need this. God, help us to walk humbly before you, recognizing our deep need for you and for the purpose partners you're putting in our life. So God, today we say thank you for those that you have put in our life that are that. Thank you for them. Thank you for the gift that they are to us. Lord, we surrender our life to you. We give you everything today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen, amen, amen.